At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 254th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Healthy food is something everybody wants, delicious and nutritious, and right outside your own door is even better. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or visit IWANTTOGARDEN.COM and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. On today's podcast, we have someone who knows how to use organic and natural ingredients outside of our mealtimes to help us live better and healthier. We're talking to Stephanie Torless about natural ways to repel insects. Stephanie has practiced and taught healthy living for more than 25 years. She is a licensed holistic esthetician with a strong background in Western and Ayurvedic herbalism has extensive training in the nutritional sciences, and is an avid organic gardener. She is currently residing in Orland, Maine, where she is the author of 12 books that include organic body care recipes, hands-on healing remedies, and naturally bug-free, all available from our friends at Story Publishing. Welcome to the show today, Stephanie. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah. I actually grew up, um, I live in Maine right now, but I actually grew up until I was about 14 in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And I was very lucky to have a grandfather that lived on about 25 acres in North Georgia. And he grew up in very poor Appalachia, part of North Carolina. Uh And we used to go and visit his uh, farm, his ranch. He raised cattle and had big gardens. And so uh, my parents, my brother, we'd go up there several times a year. And I think that my grandfather sensed that I liked to go out and explore the gardens and the woods and the streams. And I just remember one day, maybe I was eight years old or something, and Mm -hmm. we were walking, you know, out in the woods. And he just started telling me a story about how he grew up. And he and his mother and his other seven siblings just walk around in the woods and the fields and the meadows and collect herbs. And they collected herbs for medicine. They didn't go to the doctor unless it was a dire emergency, you broke a bone, something like that. So they learned how to make their own medicine, their own tinctures, their own salves, cough syrups, uh, facial products for acne. Mm -hmm. They learned medicines from the surrounding Cherokee Indians. Right. And, you know, whether my great-grandmother was, you know, intentioned for her kids to learn this or, you know, she just had a a passel of um, (laughs) workers to help her collect, you know, I don't know. But my grandfather absorbed a lot. 
And he just started passing down that knowledge to me on our walks through his property. Wow. So, um, you know, I didn't have any other friends who had this kind of experience. And I feel so lucky because that's just, that's dying out. There aren't many elders that still have that knowledge. And um, my grandfather's passed now. But from that initiation into Western herbalism, that was my launch. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with the fact that nature can provide just about everything you need, unless it's a dire emergency, for your health and your uh, well-being and your beauty. So I started experimenting, collecting all kinds of herbs, went out into the woods by myself. I was a strange child with an ID book and a notebook all the time. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) And I went to health food stores back in the 70s. You know, they weren't like Whole Foods. They were these little edgy, tiny stores. <laughs> right. And um, I, I took notes of ingredients on products. I would sit in the book um, store area there and listen to people talk. I would read. And then I started to notice, you know, there's some people that I think there's a need for products that go on your body that aren't so full of crap, mm-hmm. synthetic colors, fragrances, etc. And then I just started taking every class I could get my hands on. I went to aesthetic school, skincare school. Um, and my mother also sold Avon and Mary Kay, you know, who didn't in the 70s, right. trying to get that pink Cadillac, you know. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I dissected everything. I learned every ingredient I could. And then I started putting things together wow. myself uh-huh. to see what worked and what didn't. And then I I became really good at putting together products that had the same feel and texture of their, you know, commercial equivalents. Mm -hmm. And I started writing books. I wrote down all my recipes. Anybody that would give me a body part, a face, their hair, their arm, their leg, something for me to test on, I did. (laughs) So that's that's how I got my start. And it was because of my grandfather. And that passion has stayed with me. Uh And I like to teach people all the time that you, you, there's something natural out there that you can put on yourself instead of putting on a chemical. And that is so important these days because the biggest organ in your body is your skin. Yes. And people don't, they don't even realize that at all. It's just, they don't even give their skin a second thought. Eh, It just covers my body. It holds my bones and organs in place. They don't think about it until they get a sunburn or a bee sting or something like that. Yeah. You know, but but it absorbs up to 60% of what you put onto it. People go, how can that be? But just think, there's birth control patches, there's all kinds of medicine patches right. that get stuck to the skin. Transdermal penetration goes right through the skin into the muscle tissue and the bloodstream. Yeah. So think about that next time you put stuff you know, on you. The, yes. You know, this morning I was watching, I don't know, the Today Show or one of the, you know, mm-hmm. one of the big national shows, and they were talking about mm-hmm. sunscreen. You know, it's the middle of summer and putting sunscreen on it and the things that you need to you know, make sure that you know the important things you need to make sure that you know about putting sunscreen on. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, and I thought, oh, my, maybe maybe they're getting a clue. None of it had to do with the chemicals in it. It was all make sure you put it on every three hours, you know, make sure, you yeah. know, so on and so on and so on. And the appropriate amount and, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They didn't but, even address the chemicals in it. So what do you no. do for sunscreen? <laughs> You know, if I'm not going out, because I live, the ocean's right in my backyard, and I have a few friends that have boats. Uh If I'm not going out on the water, then, um, you know, and if I'm only going to be out for like an hour, I don't wear anything other than sesame oil, Mm. unrefined sesame oil, you know, um, 
because it has an SPF of between a 12 and a 15. That doesn't sound too high. Wow. But I don't go out. I don't go out and let myself get burned. Right. You know, and if I'm going to be out for a long time, then I'm going to put on some long sleeves or something. Yeah. Um, I, the, the sunscreens that I do wear have like Alba, A-L-B-A, the yeah. brand name. They contain titanium dioxide and, mm-hmm. and micronized zinc oxide which are minerals that act as a um, reflector, a physical reflector, but they've been ground down so fine so they don't look like the lifeguard white stuff that, you know, they used to put on their nose. Right. So it's a, it's a barrier, a physical barrier that reflects mm-hmm. the sun. Most of the chemical ones on your skin will absorb the sun's rays. So that, and to me, they just react yeah. poorly with, with your skin, yeah. and I think you're just asking for trouble. Moderation but, and everything. There you, there you go. I was going to say, I just cover up, you know, put on a big yes. brim hat yes. and you know, long sleeve shirt. Nothing and... is going to protect you from eight hours in the sun. That's that's craziness. Right, right. You know, right. So, well, thank you. I, I kind of detoured there a little bit because what we're yeah. really okay. <laughs> what we're really here to talk about is naturally bug free, and th- this is a really important topic for me right now. Uh, I, I mentioned to you in our pre conversation that Heidi, my mm-hmm. sweetheart. Uh, got bit by a tick here in Phoenix, Arizona in the mm. spring of 2014. And, you know, Arizonans don't know what Lyme is. And, mm. you know, it's turns out it Lyme ticks are alive and thriving in Phoenix, Arizona. And there's a lot of people here with Lyme. So, you know, wow. really making sure that we address, you know, the, the whole picture there so that we can, you know, naturally repel mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this case, ticks. And that's yeah. really what you're talking about in your book. And your book is by Story Publishing. Love, love, love Story. They're a great mm. organization to to work with. Yes, and I'm are. sure probably to work for writing a book. But your book is Naturally Bug-Free, 75 Non-Toxic Recipes for Repelling Mosquitoes, Ticks, Fleas, Ants, Moths, and Other Pesky Insects. And so tell us about your book. Well, uh, most of the books that I write have to do with skin and body care or topically applied herbal remedies. Mm. So this was a little different, a little different turn. But um, in my best-selling book, Organic Body Care Recipes, I have a, a little short chapter towards the end of the book and maybe has four or five recipes. And I thought, well, it's a body care book. You know, you might as well include something for... Uh, bug repellent because mm-hmm. that goes on the body. Right. It's natural. So, you know, this book came out in 07. And, um, and so I, you know, when that book came out within several months, I started getting some emails mm. and, you know, cause I get emails from all over the world and people right. commenting, Oh, we like this, or why didn't you add that or whatever? And it's always nice to read. So people were saying, wow, you know, why don't you come up with, you know, more recipes because I can't use DEET or, you know, this mm. irritates my children or there's nothing out there that I feel is safe. So the people that read my book are, they don't want chemicals in their life or right. minimal chemical exposure. Yeah. So, and, and I knew for the longest time that every time I would spray, you know, cutters or off or anything that contained DEET in it, mosquito repellent, within minutes, it felt like I was sitting on a fire ant bed. I mean, oh. my skin would get raised and red and prickly yeah. and itchy, and I was just miserable, you know. So then how am I going to enjoy the rest of my day when I feel like crap? So um, I started experimenting and did research and thought, and, and I have a long experience. I'm a professional aromatherapist, so mm-hmm. a lot of experience with essential oils, and I know their properties. And uh, so I started to put together more formulas and more formulas and tested them on Cape Cod, where I used to live, a big tick area, big tick oh, area. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, huge. You walk through the woods, you get 50 of them on your shin in no time flat. Wow, it's crazy. really? 
I mean, I, I'm serious. I, I mean, awful, awful. And then when I came up here in, in, to Maine, you know, and I just kept testing all kinds of formulas on people in my yoga class or wherever I even attend an herb club. And so I was getting a lot of feedback. And so I just was putting recipes together. And I, you know, and the book also contains flea and tick um, formulas for your dogs and cats, not any other animals. I don't have experience there, but dogs and cats. Right. And also insecticides for your home that Mm. are free of toxins. So all these have been tested. Um, I will tell you one thing. So if you were to go through the the front part of the book, which contains flea and tick formulas for humans, Uh not every formula will work well for everybody. Uh Everybody's chemistry, body chemistry is different. Mm -hmm. So what works for a little tiny petite vegan woman may not work for a big beer guzzling steak eating barbecue kind of guy because they're putting off different chemicals. So you you have to have some experimentation here. Right. But everything is very, very safe. Unlike, unlike DEET, that mm-hmm. chemical is not safe on the skin. It works, I'll give you that, but it's not yeah. safe. Yeah, and, you know, at that point is, you know, which is which is worse for you, the DEET or the tick bite? I, I know. Yeah. I, I know. I, I just can't use it. The only time I ever, ever use DEET um, is... If I have to go into the woods and I'll spray it on my clothes, clothes I won't yeah. go hiking in shorts. You know, I, I just right. don't, not with all the ticks around yeah. here. So exactly. I'll spray it on my clothes, you so, know, but I won't put it on my skin. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like the first line of defense is, is be prepared. Yes. For yes, it tic- is. For ticks. And, and so what can we use for natural uh, repellents for ticks and fleas and mosquitoes? Okay. Okay. Um, well... I'm going to tell you the strongest recipe that I have in my book, strongest yet safe. Uh Typically, I use what's called a 2% solution, and that means 12 drops of whatever blend of essential oils that I have in the recipe per one ounce of base liquid. Oh, uh-huh. So it's, it's okay. called a 2% solution. You don't want to use anything stronger than that. Okay. Okay. And um, natural essential oil-based formulas do not last on your skin two to three to four hours like the stronger DEET solutions do. It is not a synthetic chemical, and essential oils are volatile. That means they evaporate into the air. So every 20 to 30 minutes, you will need to respray your skin with your essential oil formula. And I say that in the book. Just keep that in mind. Natural products evaporate a little quicker. So, but there is a, a recipe that's on page 82 of the book, and it's called Lemony Eucalyptus-Geranium Tick Repellent Spray. Long name. You know, I've got 100-some-odd <laughs> recipes in here. You come up with different names for everything. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, but it contains four essential oils that ticks absolutely abhor, mm-hmm. and that's geranium, which comes from the geranium leaf, not your scented geranium leaf, not right. your ornamental geranium. Mm-hmm. Um, lemon eucalyptus, which is a different variety than a typical eucalyptus. And then there's lemongrass and citronella. And I mix that all in with um, some vodka. It's half vodka and half water. Vodka helps keep essential oils in solution a I, little better I than, figured that's than just that straight was. water. Yeah. Okay, and a little bit of vegetable glycerin, which, you know, vodka is drying to the skin, vegetable glycerin counters that drying effect mm-hmm. and then there's a little smidge of castile soap either peppermint or uh, liquid ah, soap either right. peppermint or eucalyptus so all of that combined 
and you know you'd put it in a four ounce spritzer bottle whether it's glass or plastic um and i have several of this exact formula around my house out in my garden shed i keep one in the car this one smells so beautiful and lemony and it works fabulous you can Mm -hmm. spray it on your skin or if you go out in the woods spray it all over your clothes your socks your shoes any of the entry points for ticks Uh you know that might crawl down into your neck or something like that right so you know, this it, is too strong for children under six. I do have a couple of recipes in the book that are specifically for young children. Right. But, you know, if you reuse something like this, spray it on their clothes. You know, don't drown the poor child's skin right. <laughs> with with a natural product. It's still, you know, essential oils are strong. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of plant material to make that little bottle of oil. You know, use common sense and, you know, keep your children covered up, whether it's linen or with a net or something like that. Th- this is a really, really nice nice formula that works fantastic against ticks. Great. So that that's such a good one. Let's let's just review real quickly what's in it. You said a 2% solution. That's 12 drops per ounce. Okay. So I've got a four ounce bottle here. Okay. Uh, four ounce. So you've got, you know, like a quarter cup of four ounces is a half cup. So I have a quarter cup of purified water and a quarter cup of cup of unflavored vodka. Mm. And you don't need to buy something fancy smancy for vodka. You know, right. keep your cold river or whatever it is, you know, for, for drinking, mm-hmm. if you want. <laughs> Something cheap is fine. <laughs> but, okay, so there's four essential oils here. So there should be, if I did my math right, 48 drops because you've got four ounces, oh. 12 per ounce. So 20 drops of geranium, 14 drops of lemon eucalyptus, seven drops of lemongrass essential oil, and seven drops of citronella oh. essential oil. And then it's a half teaspoon of your liquid Castile soap, either peppermint or eucalyptus, half teaspoon of vegetable glycerin, and then your water and your vodka. Shake it all up and let it sit for an hour. Everything blends and chemically synergizes a bit. Right. And then you're, you're ready to go. Always put a label on this because oh, yes. it smells lemony. If your child, little child were to grab this, mm, they might think it's kind of like lemonade or something. Yep. You don't want them eating this. Right. So... But in every book that I write, there's an ingredient dictionary. So if someone's going through these recipes and, oh. where the heck do I get vegetable glycerin or, or you know, eucalyptus citriodora, which is lemon eucalyptus. Right. I have, a, I have an ingredient dictionary that tells you about every single ingredient. If a substitute is available, what else you could use. And in the, in the end of the book, there's always a resource section of all my tried and true resources uh-huh. of where I get everything. Wow, that's so brilliant. It's very self-explanatory. That's... And, you know, if you can make oatmeal or boil water and make tea uh-huh. and, and count, <laughs> you can, you you can, can make, make anything in this book. Nice. So yeah, so well, it's, it's cosmetic cooking or you know bug spray cooking right. or whatever. <laughs> cool. So what we were just talking about was for ticks and fleas. Does that all also include mosquitoes? Oh, this that was ticks and mosquitoes. Uh-huh. That was for ticks and mosquitoes. Very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, fleas would be in the the ticks and fleas would be in the pet section. Well, the fleas would be in the uh, pet section. Yes, very good. Which is in the middle part of the book. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I was going to ask you that because we're you know Heidi and I are thinking about getting a dog. And mm-hmm. uh, we haven't had a dog in a long time. And, you know, last time I had dogs was 20 plus years ago. And, you know, back then oh. we just, you know, put a flea collar on them. What can we do here? 
Yeah, I, they still have flea collars. They're not super effective, and you mm-hmm. know, and that concentrating all of that toxic vapor up around the dog's nose, mm. and especially if it's a larger dog, a dog over 20 pounds or so, mm-hmm. all of that vapor, it's not going to reach the tail end of the dog, so it's right. not doing a heck of a lot of good. I mean, I know uh, they've improved, but they're still full of chemicals, yeah. and um, sometimes the neck, neck can get very irritated, or you can go to the vet and buy those drops, those little spot-on things where you snip off the tip and then run it down their spine, Right. I don't like. Right, you know, it's chemicals again. And those are... Yes, they're full of permethrins, and if you look on the back of the package, it says, make sure you part the animal's fur and get it right on the skin, but keep it off of your skin. Right. Because it's toxic, and that just, no. Don't do that to your dogs. No, no, or your cats, and a lot of them will salivate or bite a spot raw or what have you. So, um, you know, having, having outdoor pets is one of the ways that you bring ticks into your house. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. I have indoor cats, so I don't worry about that. Right. Um, but people, I have an older friend, and she's got a big, um, oh, what do you call those things? Great Dane. Great oh, yes. Dane puppy, and yep. 100 pounds at eight months old. He's huge. But she's gotten three ticks, one tick a week for three weeks. And I was like, what are you doing? But she goes down to the beach. The dog runs all over all the right. tidal grasses and everything, mm-hmm. and then brings them into the house and on the sofa and on the bed because the dog sleeps on the bed. So right. if you have pets, make sure you brush them every day, every yeah. day or twice a day, especially during tick season, mm-hmm. and vacuum your house often. So I have powders that I make, um, herbal powders that mm-hmm. I make for my cats, even though they're indoor cats. Occasionally they will get fleas because I do have them leash trained, so I'll walk them out back for about five minutes a day. But one of the best powders you can put on your animals hold on um, let me let me me guess okay diatomaceous earth oh very good (laughs) oh good i passed we use it on our chickens very safe (laughs) yeah we use it on our chickens oh good okay excellent yeah a lot of people do that too it has to say food grade yes on the bag you do not go to your local pool supply place because they that's got something toxic in it but diatomaceous earth is not earth so to speak it is right. actually made from single-celled diatoms which their shell i mean you they're practically naked to the um you know you can't see them really but they deposit into um, 100 foot deposits in different places on the earth whether it's salt water or fresh water and they're harvested excavated out it's dried little white powdery clay that you can get like at the hardware store mm-hmm. and it's about ten dollars for four pounds or something and the silica which is what makes up the diatom shell acts as a well what you put the powder all over the animal totally non-toxic right but when a flea or a tick ingests even a tiny bit of that powder mm-hmm. that powder because of the silica silica is very sharp mineral it will dissect the innards of that insect and it will dehydrate their exoskeleton mm, right. so i know it sounds horrible a slow death for the flea and the tick poor things but it's a safe way to kill them and to keep them off the pet. Yeah. And you can also take diatomaceous earth and put it in a little, um, like a quart size canning jar, poke some holes on top of the canning jar and and get down about four inches away from your carpet in the house and Uh sprinkle lightly everywhere and leave it 24 to 72 hours and then vacuum it up and Uh. the fleas will be dead and the ticks will be dead if they're in your carpet. Oh. But, you know, but apply this to your animals two or three times a week during flea season and if they lick their fur no problem they're not going to get sick actually if they were to ingest the diatomaceous earth the cat or the dog it acts as a dewormer yes in their system mm-hmm. because it desiccates any parasites they have in their right. body so good stuff 
Nice. Nice. Yeah, and, and it doesn't smell, you know, it doesn't have a strong, it has no odor. Right. Exactly. So really safe. Cool. So in thinking through your book, I mean, we only have another few minutes here and there's so many things I want to ask you. In mm. thinking through your book, what is one fascinating or really cool thing that you want to share with people about it? One of the reasons I wrote it is because it's safe and they work mm-hmm. and and you're not going to get sick and you don't have to worry about, oh, no, you know, I have to run in and wash this DEET off my skin, like it says on the back of the container of of um, off spray. Uh-huh. You know, the, the, the sprays evaporate off your skin. They're not going to burn you. They're not toxic. If you inhale them, you're not going to get sick. Your animals are not going to get sick. They're not going to bite themselves raw or their mm-hmm. life's not going to be shortened because they're going to get cancer or tumors or something else. And everything in here is safe for the environment. Yeah. You know, the, the chemicals in the, in the foggers, you know, there's places in Florida or other parts, other parts of the country where they'll drive up and down in the evenings with these fogger trucks right. to kill all the mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. What the heck? I know they were doing that last year with all the Zika outbreaks. Mm-hmm. That stuff, nobody needs to breathe that in. Now, I, I understand nobody wants to get sick from the bugs either. But right. to me, try a natural approach, and that's what I'm all about. And I want to teach people that try something natural first. Okay. I mean, it's up to you. You're going to a tropical place for vacation. Mosquito-borne disease is just rampant. That is your choice, whether to use DEET or to use something natural. Right. If you're going to use DEET, please spray it on your clothes. Yeah. Um, or at least make sure you wash it off when you come in. Follow the instructions. Mm-hmm. And another thing I don't like about DEET is if you read some of the small print on the back, it will tell you not to spray it on clothes that have um, man-made fibers in them. Oh, yes. Lycra, spandex, because mm-hmm. it dissolves and breaks that down. If it's breaking down fibers, what the heck is it doing <laughs> to your skin? No, so, <laughs> anyway, I, you know, just try something safe. Pick a, choose a plant before you put a chemical yeah. on yourself. Yeah. You know, good for you, good for the environment. Right. Amen to that. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and <laughs> what you might have learned from it. That is a shift. Okay. Um, I, I actually don't like the word fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I would call that maybe a time, instead of failure, it's a time that I didn't quite achieve the goal I'd set for myself. Exactly. Or failure. Failures are learning experiences. Yes, they're disappointing, but they're right. learning experiences. So. Okay, so I guess it's kind of humorous, but it wasn't humorous when it was happening to me. Um, <laughs> of course not. So, so this was, I don't know, maybe I was in my late teens, 20, something like that. So I was learning to make natural skincare products. I was still experimenting a bit, and I wanted, was trying to make this experimental facial mask for an older coworker. So I mixed some white powdered clay and some plain yogurt, and I squished some fresh blueberries I'd picked out back. I was living in Georgia, uh-huh. so I picked them out of the woods. Right. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything about antioxidants. I just knew that blueberries were good for you. So I thought, well, I'll squish the juice and stir it up. So it was this blue facial mask, and it's supposed to make your skin soft and refined. So I um, asked my coworker, I said, can I put this on you? It was at work, after work. Uh-huh. And let it dry for 20 minutes. Well, um, she looked like she was ready for the morgue. It had dyed her skin blue. Blue. And, That's where I uh, thought weird, you were going. Weird, pale blue. Yep. <laughs> she looked sick. And um, But about 24 hours, I mean, I, I was very upset. And she wasn't real happy, but she was kind of laughing. Um, and 24 hours, it had faded. But right. So the moral of that story is you eat your blueberries, you don't rub them on your face. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I was learning. I was writing. I was making yeah. formulas. So, um, but it was... 
little little failures like that when you are becoming a kitchen cosmetologist mm-hmm. happen all the time. Yeah. But you perfect from your failures. Perfect. What do you consider yeah. your biggest success? Probably that I've written twelve books and I'm just finishing the editing on a thirteenth book, which will be a beginner beginner's guide to essential oils for home health care. It's come oh. out next year. Yeah. So um but I've written twelve rather successful books since nineteen ninety four. Mm-hmm. After taking ten years to initially find a publisher, so that oh, was right. that was like ten years of oh my gosh, feeling like I was failing or learning or getting discouraged, mm-hmm. and then finally getting a letter from the publisher saying, "Hey, we're really interested." Yeah. After rejection, after you know several oh. rejection letters, forty forty rejection letters over ten mm, years wow. to be exact. Yeah, and during this process of going on book tours, I have. Finally, learn to comfortably comfortably speak in front of four to five hundred people. When I used to would take an F in high school English class instead of having to get up and do an oral report. Oh my God, that is so, so funny because I flunked <laughs> speech class in high school. Oh, <laughs> because I refused to get up. Now I I too speak in front yeah. of hundreds and even thousands of people. So yeah, yeah, and and you're doing what you're doing. So you know, and I speak all the time. So total flip flop of life. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Amazing. exactly. Exactly. Well, one of the things that I that I, I want to call you out on, there's a good mm-hmm. thing, not a bad thing, is that Winston Churchill said, never, never give up. I think it was Winston Churchill. It's, it's coming from my my memory. And yep. you didn't give up on your books. No, no, I didn't. And even even had a, an ex-husband who kept saying, give it up, give it yeah. up, give it up. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I didn't listen. So yeah, well, my father said I never listened to anything. So. <laughs> no good, because that, that's that's really important lesson for everybody. It's like if if you know you're supposed to be do so, doing something, like yes. teaching people about this, don't give up because now look at the difference that your work does in the world. Yes, I, I know that. I've always yeah. felt my grandfather's spirit was. I was given that oral tradition for a reason, uh-huh. and I wish he was still alive, yeah. you know, but I know so he looks down from heaven, exactly. he can see what I've done. So, exactly. Yeah. So what drives you? Well, the, uh, on that note, um, teaching people. I enjoy teaching people about how to live their healthiest life mm-hmm. and also how to retain extremely youthful skin, you know, until they're 80 or 90 years old. Yeah. And I honor my grandfather every time I teach people oh. about the benefits of herbs. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's what drives me, is A- what he started teaching me. Yeah, epic. That, that is, I love those kinds of threads in the stories mm-hmm. that we tell on this podcast of, you know, there's a, there's a connection back generations yes. and decades that just still inspire you to this day. Very much so. Yeah. Until the day I die. Congre- yep, I just, uh, I love talking to people yeah. about plants and the benefits of plants. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Oh, okay. I have this big, fat, tattered herbal book. Um, it is called The Book of Herbal Wisdom, mm. Using Plants as Medicines. And it is by famous herbalist. He lives out west, I think. He used to live on an island. Um, mm-hmm. His name is Matthew Wood, W-O-O-D. And it's just an amazing book. He talks about 40 herbs, so he doesn't cover a ton of herbs, Mm -hmm. but he tells you known and little known uses for these herbs, things, you know, even an experienced herbalist like myself, you know, I'll be flipping through and 
seriously, I've never heard of this. And he goes on and tells stories about it and how he's used it and how herbal elders that he has, you know, been with uh-huh. and the uses that they had for it. He delves wow. into Western and Chinese and Native American traditions mm-hmm. for all these herbs. So, you know, you can read about, say, Solomon's seal, which is one of my favorite herbs. And, you know, in the 10 pages he devotes to it, it's you, you might learn 10 more things that you never knew about it. So right. it's, it's just a in-depth book full of ancient wisdom about herbs. Wow. Awesome book. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So what so, one final piece of advice will you have for our listeners? We've probably covered some of that, but it's um, about skin because every, 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 every class that I teach, whether mm-hmm. it's um, – you know, books for um, herbal aphrodisiacs, books on making natural perfumes, natural powders, topically applied herbal remedies, skin care, whatever it is, um, mostly what I write about gets applied to the skin one way, shape, or form. So right. just don't forget that your skin lives and breathes and eats. You know, it secretes, but it also absorbs. Yeah. So put only pure products on it. You know, that's uh, don't shorten your life with some questionable chem- questionable chemical um and we hit on the other thing is if you have a dream you know don't let anybody ever tell you that you'll never attain a goal that Mm -hmm. you've set it may be difficult but you know forego those naysayers and aim for the stars i always say you know so it's just keep your eye on the prize you'll get there someday or maybe there'll be a tangent that you didn't know existed and you'll go oh my gosh this is awesome right and that's how that's how epic things get done in the world that's how we change mm -hmm. the world right there that's exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Stephanie. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Absolutely. How can our listeners get a hold of you? Okay, I have a beautiful, just redesigned website. Um, mm-hmm. It is stephanietorless.com, so S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-T-O-U-R-L-E-S, all one word, stephanietorless.com. And from that website, they can go to my Facebook page, my blogs, Perfect. find out where I'm speaking, mm-hmm. events that I'm teaching, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And um, it's a beautiful herbal website, very pretty Excellent. right now. Excellent. And her book? Naturally Bug-Free, 75 Non-Toxic Recipes for Repelling Mosquitoes, Ticks, Fleas, Ants, Moths, and Other Pesky Insects is available all over the place out there. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash natural bug-free. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN 
to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.